How's it, everyone? Welcome to Let's Talk Digital with me, Audrey Naidu. On this podcast, you will find uniquely South African digital content brought to you from a local perspective across the industry. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Today, we have a very special guest um, in the studio, and his name is Andrew Kramer, who is the MD of Ad Colony South Africa. Andrew, good to have you with us. Great to be here. Okay, so I've known you for a couple of years now, and you know when we meet, we're always having this intellectual conversations about what's going on in digital. And from what I recall, the last time you and I met, you you mentioned a few global key trends that you see popping up or observing. Um, maybe before we go into that, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about yourself. Okay, so I've been in media since 1998. Wow. And started off in out of home, spent a couple of years inside one of the big buying agencies, and then I've been in digital since 2012. And I've always been passionate about entrepreneurial space, and most of the businesses I've been in have ranged from washroom advertising uh, to mix it, and then on to, you know, more recently, the likes of Ad Colony and Christopher. So I suppose my passion point has always been around innovation, and taking what is seen to be hard to sell and trying to put a marketing spin on it and finding value in it for advertisers, whether it was for FMCG, mm-hmm. uh, pharmaceutical type products in the washroom, to brands who are trying to get to the vast base of mixed users uh, and now into this kind of quick moving, fast moving, crazy digital space with that colony. Well, it sounds very colorful. Mm, it has been. So um, you mentioned the, the three big trends that you've seen happening globally. Mm. Maybe if you can start by taking us some of the trends. Yes, yeah, so I think the market, luckily the digital market is maturing quite quickly. And I think the first big trend is the evolution of um, impressions to actually delivering ad units that have attention. So I always like to take a step back to TV and radio because TV and radio still work. The ad units are very good, mm. uh, the formats rather, they stop the content, they have consumers' attention, and people are just watching a little bit of less of TV and listening less to radio. The ad formats then get bad. In digital, I think the challenge is to replicate those, and the challenge is to deliver attention. Um, and I think when we started, what happened was this you know, mad um, kind of land grab, the social, the big social players, specifically Facebook, I think, sold the dream of reach. Um, quite successfully from their side. And now I think the market's starting to understand, well, what is reach if no one's seeing the ad, if they're scrolling it past it at 100 miles an hour in their news feed? Is it the same value? And I think the market's working out it's not. That doesn't mean it doesn't have a role to play. It's just understanding that great ad formats stop your content and have attention. So if we look at an impression-based reach model, which is obviously what the social, uh, the likes of the social guys are trying to drive, it's not the same as TV. TV sold you an opportunity to see, but it was based on real numbers. We know 4 million people are going to watch Program X. We know that when your ad gets delivered, it's being delivered in its entirety. It's on the entire TV screen, etc., etc. Yes, some people may get up and go to the loo. Some may go make a cup of coffee. But the opportunity to see to 4 million is real, and the ad runs to completion. And there's all positives. Uh, and then Mobile Brown would tell you if your ad was good, you got so much ad recall, uplift, 
etc., etc. Digital hasn't been able to formulate that same solution. So for it to try sell on the same basis as it's done is flawed. We're actually not selling an opportunity to see. So now the market's saying, I want viewable ads. I need attention. So the market's going to evolve dramatically and good publishers are going to have to reinvent themselves quite quickly around ad units that deliver those intrinsic benefits. So I think that's very exciting for the advertiser because the advertiser is quickly working out whether it's the reviewability studies, Nielsen's brand uplift studies, they're starting to see an unviewable ad is of no value. Now, occasionally we get some neuroscience genius to come out from the left-hand corner who'll tell us, no, if you see an ad for a millisecond, it's of value. It's impossible. My great late father used to say, it's like winking to a girl in the dark. You know you're doing it, but no one else does. There's no value. So I think that's the first big shift was I think there's an exciting time now around attention, around uh, publishers, the onus being on the publisher to build good ad units. So I think that's the first big shift we're going to see. Can we just pause on that shift? Mm. So don't you think that kind of disrupts the entire model and the value chain? Because... What's, what's going to happen in terms of inventory and how publishers feel about showing uh, return on investment? So advertisers are going to benefit. They win. Yep. They're going to buy viewable impressions. Yep. Making sure that, for example, you and I always have that debate around video mm. and viewability. Um, what does it mean for local publishers in South Africa? So I think it means one has to take stock. If, again, if we take a step back to TV or radio, TV had whatever it was, 10 to 12 minutes on the hour they could sell. That was the inventory. When you were sold out of that inventory, you could either hike your prices if you had an over-demand, or you would have to lower them if you lacked, supply, if you lacked demand. In digital, it's like this mad, crazy, I'm just going to monetize every single minuscule second of consumers on my page or in my app. It's not realistic, Orts. So digital's got away with a flawed model. Digital now has to reinvent itself. The publisher who will last, like a good TV publisher, like a good uh, radio uh, program, is going to have to deliver reach, people who are listening, people who engage with the ads, and, and, and at the right price. So I think for the local publishers, it's a wonderful opportunity. Why is YouTube gaining so much market share? Because it's six-second ads, have attention. Now, we can debate six seconds versus 30 weeks. It's a whole other story. Mm. But the reality is they're delivering a viewable four to six second ad that actually stops the content and has the attention. So you can see how quickly their market share shifted in the last year. You've got to clean up their brand safety kitty type issues, which clearly they're addressing at a global level. And they're deservedly winning market share from the likes of Facebook. So the good publisher, the smart publisher, like any of us who has to reinvent ourselves and be nimble, should actually gain market share. That's no different to any product, whether it's an FMCG, banking, telco, these guys are reinventing themselves all the time. The best offering gains the market. Mm. So you would say that there might be quality publishers yep. um, and maybe there'll be a consolidation on Very publishers so. as well. Yep. So we will see also media changing its shape and form going yep. forward. I agree. Okay, cool. So what did you 
So the second trend. So the, the, the next big trend is clearly around uh, users' privacy, data privacy. And again, this is a very exciting space because it's what we deserve as users of the, of the various environments. The, the truth is that, again, digital was greedy. So in this need to monetize every single impression, I've taken my inventory as a publisher and I've put it to my direct sales channel and then I've given it to 20 other channels who are selling my unsold or remnant inventory. So as we open up the supply to all these environments, so we've introduced fraud, we've introduced breaches of data privacy, because once it's moved out from this first party world, so then you know, more and more problems have become real. GDPR was brilliant for direct publishers, publishers of first party inventory. And again, in Europe, we saw most of those publishers because of the remnant inventory now not being monetized, so their revenue took a big dive, then those that reinvented themselves and could deliver quality inventory with privacy, with data controls, GDPR compliance in place, have gained uh, an effective better ECPM in a very short space of time. So you're also down the line, you've got these guys going, actually this has been good for my business. I was being commoditized, it was a race to the bottom, now it's become about quality. So I think this big shift is going to be all around first party inventory. Again, it's about quality, so it actually speaks to the better ad formats, uh, attention of consumers. The data privacy thing is going to deliver, sorry, it's going to need publishers, who are, sorry, it's going to allow publishers who have first party inventory to thrive. So for those uh, listeners mm. that don't understand, you mentioned two things. You mentioned mm. third-party data yep. and you mentioned first-party data. Do you want to elaborate what sure. they mean? Sure. So I'm going to talk to inventory actually is what I was referring okay. to. So for mostly first-party inventory is if I'm Facebook and I'm selling Facebook space, I'm the first-party seller of that space. I'm not giving it to a used car salesman down the road in Randburg to sell on my behalf. And that's what digital did. It allowed these other second, third, fourth parties to start selling the inventory. So if you take even our space in video, we sell it direct because it's first party. So we come to you and other clients and agencies, we sell our video product. But because those same publishers who we have direct access to the inventory, they then open up the inventory through other DSPs, anyone who's a seller, they will get anything that's unsold. And what advertisers are finding, so we see a lot of this in programmatic, advertisers are finding is that, that open inventory, which is cheaper, so it looks like you're getting a bargain, is running in unsavory environments. It's running in dating apps like Grindr. It's running in kiddie apps like Talking Tom. Mm. So, and that's not where you want to be. I mean, I've got a list of brands who've been in Grindr and Talking Tom. It got sent to me yesterday. I was doing some homework for our session. You'd be shocked as if you sought top financial institutions, high-level motor vehicle brands, luxury watches. So, again, it's this, this lack of understanding of client and some of the buying agencies who are looking to drive cheap, and cheap is nasty. And I think it's going to come out. And it really sits in what I call this third-party remnant unsold inventory space. So, in my mind, I'm always... You know, when I engage with stakeholders in the industry, we actually refer to the publisher side, once it passed media, as the black box. Yeah. 
Okay, so I think what is needed in South Africa is a lot of transparency. So the question uh, that I need to ask is, are publishers, I know a publisher like yourself is quite transparent, but in general, are publishers ready to be transparent about what they're doing around data? So I think the, I think the good ones will be, Audrey. I think it's about the market has fed too many mouths. So if you take you take your hard-earned ad rand that you you look you look after, if you're very specific with your agency on who you should be buying from, i.e., I only want to buy from first-party suppliers. I want to buy from suppliers who give us sightless. I want to buy it from guys who supply viewability at their cost. So you, as an advertiser, could put three or four metrics in that would thrash out 90% of the unsavory space. But because they're not being that dictatorial with their buying agencies as a collective around what's best for your brand, you're finding guys looking for loopholes, buying cheap inventory. Obviously, we know sometimes it's programmatically driven where agencies are able to charge more or roll it up with data. So I think there's, there's a couple of issues at hand, but I truly believe strong client, understanding what they deserve. If they put key buying metrics in place, you should only be buying quality inventory. You really should be able to, to avoid most of the unsavory space, ad fraud, et cetera, et cetera. You do know what the issue with that is, right? Is that in the past, brands are ignorant or ill-informed mm. about that process. Because, Correct. which is why we have that partnership with media agencies. They're supposed to be the experts or protection of that environment on behalf of the brand. But I completely agree with you because I'm seeing a shift that brands are taking more control over how they they actually adopt scorecards and measurement frameworks for agencies to actually do business with publishers. Yeah, and to be fair to the agencies, I actually think they're, they're doing a lot on their side. I think actually agencies are realizing the maturity required to represent multinational, national clients. I think because things moved so quickly, a lot of these things weren't actually, it wasn't knowledge that was freely available to anyone. True. You know, I knew in the background what was going on because we were getting viewability scores. Let's talk about that for a second. Mm -hmm. We could see when we saw Moat's data on average trends versus let's say ours, we could see, wow, the market really is delivering a lot of poorly viewable impressions. But the average marketer didn't know that. The average media person sitting in an agency, they didn't have that access to that Moat data. So again... It's probably a trend that started 24 months ago globally. It's slowly seeping into the market. So I'm not really one to say, right, the market's wrong and has been buying on purpose foolishly. I think it's been about a lack of data. I think big social players were allowed to mark their own scorecard. I mean, wouldn't we all have loved to have done that in a matric year? Wow, I actually <laughs> would have got into university. Um, so I think that's the evolution. I think it's just a process. And I said to you at the beginning, it's about a maturing market and it's an exciting space. It's about media agencies who are starting to own their responsibility. It's about brands not going, okay, I'm going to be literate and I'm just going to give these digital youngsters my spend and they must do with it what they like. So I think collectively we're all moving forward in the right direction. I think the important word I've heard you use now is collectively because I'm seeing more of the the different industry stakeholders coming together at roundtables, yep. having discussions. I'm seeing IAB, SA getting more involved and in bringing all the different parties together. And I mean, you involved with MMA as well is moving beyond uh, 
having those industry bodies play a more active role in actually defining what are some of the the ground rules yes. going forward and how yeah. do we actually evolve as an industry together. Yeah. That's, that's what's changed. I'm seeing that as a massive change in South yeah, Africa. Yeah, and I think, there's, I think there's so much work still to be done. I personally am the belief that the likes of Moat or IAS or Double Verify, together with Nielsen's or Millwood Brown, they should be actually dictating viewability standards. Because they can merge their data. Nielsen's now viewable ads deliver so much ad recall, purchase intent increase, etc., etc. Moat, IS, and Double Verify know what's viewable and not what's, what's not viewable, what's not brand safe. Those are the guys who should be driving the standards. You can't allow a publisher to be driving those standards because I have, a, I have an incentive. You're going to be biased towards, towards that yeah. and what it is. And means. I think that's, yeah. you know, that's what excites me about the MMA as a body. You know, I'm very passionate about what they could potentially do because I think there's not, as you, you don't have publishers sitting on those boards. It's marketers. I'd like to see the agencies getting more involved. And I think, and I've said this to Sarah, I think the opportunity is to kind of embrace some partnerships with these big research organizations because collectively their data can actually drive what is required, what is quality, um, and we need to move the bias parties. I would be one. I was sitting on those panels, clearly. I would be saying everything's got to be 100% viewable. <laughs> you know, I would be driving know, everyone nuts. That's what you always tell me. Correct. Everything but, but, is to so, be 100%. So I, I think that may be the middle ground we actually hopefully get to. Okay, that's interesting. So I think finally the third trend that you see popping up. I've forgotten what it is. <laughs> Just pull up your notes there quickly. We're having such a lovely chat here. No problem. Look, there's lots of things impacting. So it was um, mobile taking center okay, stage. That's right. Yeah, so, yeah. so I, I'm, because I'm a little bit old school, I'm not obsessed with this mobile first, mobile taking center stage. The reality is in each target audience you're looking for, there are behaviors. That are different in terms of media consumption. In this country, TV is still really good. In some key target audiences, mass target audiences, TV outperforms the market. Radio is still an incredibly strong platform in this country. So, yes, digital is growing. Yes, mobile is growing. But what does it mean per consumer target audience you're looking for? And I think that's the exciting thing. It's not about whether mobile, TV or radio. It's about understanding in your ecosystem of mobile, which target audience is my sweet spot. I'm going to actually challenge you there. Okay. I do not see mobile as being a channel because okay. you cannot compare it to radio, TV. Yes. What mobile brings to the consumer and as an opportunity for publishers and advertisers is that personal engagement that you can't uh, duplicate on any other platform. Because um, if you look at mobile behavior with consumers, it's quite a personal thing. Very much so. And they actually opt into brands. Yep. And that is what mobile has done now. So, so I agree with you wholeheartedly, but I still think the media objective that mobile can deliver on in conjunction with those other old mainstream platforms is how you ought to look at something. So we talk about personalization or this one-to-one -one engagement I can achieve. So let's say you're running a mass campaign on TV. It would deliver you awareness, new product. Let's say it was a new credit card. 
you could you would achieve great efficacy probably on TV and radio in terms of awareness of the new product and maybe what its key offering is. What you what it's hard to do on TV is actually to get people to explore more, inquire, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, so engage, engage. Yeah. So if you took mobile's ability to engage in conjunction now with that awareness, you would have the perfect marriage. And that's what I, where I say it's not so much about mobile first. It's about what are your requirements. Because if I'm Coca-Cola and I don't need awareness, I'm driving value deal over summer, X Rand for a two-liter Coke. What do I need? I need awareness of two-liter Coke. Now, where is that going to be best done? Depends on whether I'm looking to target 16-year-olds or 40-year-old moms. So I'm also going to say something about that, right? Okay. So there's, it's, there's, you need to look at the different layers of applying a mobile first strategy. Yeah. Okay. So mobile first for me means how do you ensure that you have a seamless experience once you render the ad yeah. using a mobile first strategy. Yeah. If I'm in financial no, services, yeah. right, and you are engaging with an ad, but I know my end goal for you as a consumer would be to do your payment using the mobile device. Every experience or touch point you have thereafter with the brand needs to be that seamless, that brand experience that you would get from mobile that you can't get from radio or whatever. So you need to speak to consumers in that native platform that they're choosing to engage with you because let's, and we do this all the time, we test on mobile is how many seconds does it take to load your page? Mm using your mobile device because yeah. I've chosen to search for your brand using my mobile device. Yes. Those brands that wait beyond five seconds, you lost the customer yeah. because now you'll choose a competitor to do your business with. Yeah. So I think it is about creating the right experience that if you want to advertise to a consumer on mobile, you have to match it with experience. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I get what you say when you talk. For me, that's a total package offering around creating awareness through advertising and then possibly getting a consumer to complete an action, uh, a transaction, etc., etc. Yes. Now we're talking about you know the same as if I go into a car dealership. So you want me to have the same experience if I'm on the mobile device where I can check out all the different vehicles, explore, look at prices, build my own uh, product. I get then it has to be you know, mobile first, absolutely. It has to encompass the entire look and feel of mobile. It's got to be seamless. It can't be buffering forever. I agree. But again, that for me, that's now we're talking about total marketing. I suppose when I'm thinking of it and when I answer it, it's more around a media. A media. Uh, a media answer. Okay. All right. So in terms of mobile, you um, feel that in the next couple of years, you're going to see maybe a shift in South Africa? Very much. I mean, we're seeing it already. I really have seen a big shift in need for quality. I think because there is transparency available now uh, to advertisers, they're, they're demanding it. So I think we're going to see a little shift from that race to the bottom and commoditized shocking inventory. Um, so it's going to become about quality, in my opinion. I think publishers are going to quickly reinvent themselves. The beauty about South Africa is we're entrepreneurial. Publishers are going to reinvent themselves. The good publishers are going to survive and thrive. Um, I think GDPR and the knock-on effect of GDPR into 
the rest of the world, popular, etc., is going to be fantastic for the consumer. And if it's good for the consumer, that again means the publisher is going to have to find stuff that makes sense for the consumer, protect their data, deliver them relevant ads. So they're going to be value for the advertiser, better value for the consumer, uh, as well as the publisher. And that's the right ecosystem. It's meant to be a win-win-win. Definitely. Uh, and at the moment, it hasn't been that. It's been, you know, big publishers doing gajillions of dollars of turnover, very poor results for some advertisers and poor returns, fraudulent stuff, non-viewable stuff, etc., etc. But there was no level of accountability. Correct. Hence, publishers got away with it. Yep. And now we're seeing that the dynamics have shifted yep. where there is a level of accountability, there's transparency in the whole value chain. Yeah. So... I mean, even if you look at Twitter's... Um, announcement last week that it's not going to take political ads. Brilliant. Well done. Got ahead of the curve, made a positive statement. I have huge respect for them over that. Facebook's dilly-dallying because they're so greedy. They literally can't take a step and go, okay, we're only going to do one trillion uh, turnover, not you know, 100 trillion. And that's what we need. We need big digital publishers like Facebook to actually own it. Mm. They knew the ads were poorly viewable for a very long time, in my opinion. I don't think this is like a big newsflash for them. But we need them to be honourable about data privacy. We need them to be honourable in, and have integrity about ad formats. And that's all of us. Uh, and then I think we're going to see a better ecosystem for advertisers. Better ecosystem for advertisers and consumers has got to be the way we go. Well, I'm certainly excited by what's coming up in South Africa in the next couple of months and years. If you had to... Um summarize what you've just said what would be your key takeouts or advice to people who are listening to this podcast so i really think it's about uh working very closely with transparent uh honest supplies and i think if it's your if it's your money i always take it back to buying a car we love mm -hmm. buying a car everyone loves buying a new car second hand car most often you'll go source the best deal direct from uh, the dealership you like. And most often, if you want a warranty and you want all the bells and whistles, I like Audi, I go straight and buy it from Audi. I don't go to the second hand or third car sales guy in Randburg who's going to sell it to me for 20 grand cheaper, but I'm not going to have all the safety of the warranty, etc., etc. It's the same thing in our ecosystem. Advertisers just have to take a moment, demand quality, demand fair value for their investment, and that will seek out publishers who deliver that. And I think that would be my biggest advice. Just ask yourself questions as if it was your money mm. and you're buying a car or a house or any significant investment. You guys spend hundreds of millions of rands on advertising. This, <laughs> I find it crazy that anything that's wasted should be allowed. And that's why you always laugh at me about 100% viewable because I'd keep it on TV because the ads should be viewable or they shouldn't be flighted. Yes. And publishers can own that. YouTube have improved that. Well, so I don't think we're just uh, <laughs> ready for that yet. But I, I hear you. So uh, thank you so much, Andrew, for thank sharing you. your lovely. time with us. We really appreciate it. And I think that was really insightful in terms of what you had to say for us. Pleasure. Lovely being here. Okay. A big thank you to the Spotify team at Ad Dynamo and sponsoring this week's podcast. A shout out to all my listeners. Please follow my Instagram handle at TalkDigitalZA. Comment on this week's episode, share your ideas, and who knows, you could feature on the next one.